This is a Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles, presented by Golden Tire, Tech One Designs, Westside Honda, TransCanada Motorsports, Roy Wharton Suspension Systems, and 204 Skate Shop. Motocross news from around the globe, but mostly between Emerson and Brandon. We're not experts over here, but we've got microphones. Check out BigMXRadio.com for more content. Welcome to the Big MX Podcast Show, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles, 204 Skate Shop, Golden Tire, TransCanada Motorsports, Westside Honda, Roy Borton Suspension System, Hyberson Motorsports out of Oak Bluff, Manitoba, and Tech One Designs. Anything you can dream up, they can make it happen. I am your host, as usual, Brad Gephardt, with me on the line, one of the most unbelievable photographers in the last... 35 years of this matchup and more this motocross sport that we love so much mike sweeney of all guys mike how's it going going well going well thank you for uh having me on we appreciate you making some time for us as you uh watch the uh lowly buccaneers uh get uh their asses handed to them by the uh, falcons i might have to start watching some uh moto rewinds here on the dvr position where this game's going Perfect. Yeah, Th- throw on some uh, some Tony Blazer and uh, and let the mood sink in. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> right on. And of course, we we all follow you on both uh, Instagram and Twitter at Mike Sweeney Photo on Instagram, and the Twitter handle is M Sweeney Photo uh, <clears throat> uh, for, for 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 Twitter, uh, which you've got a great handle on on the social media altogether. So what's going on with you these days? The season's done. Uh, you've you've done a little bit of photography this year, as well as uh, um, you're fairly active uploading the pictures that you had from yesteryear. Uh, but what's what's new and exciting in the world of Mike Sweeney? Uh, basically, just kind of plotting and scheming for next year. You know, just trying to uh, figure out what races I'm going to be able to get to. Definitely want to get to some of the. Uh, early Supercross rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, hoping to actually try and get up for the Monster Energy Cup, but I haven't been able to fully pull the trigger yet. It might be one of those, you know, book the plane ride at the last minute and sleep in the rental car type of deals. <laughs> no doubt. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I'd love to get out there. I'm always itching to go shoot some moto. I was just thinking about that today. No Going there, through some yeah. photos. So. Yeah. So you're like MEC possible uh, for this year. If not, uh, Anaheim one is uh, is the next circle on the date. Just uh, local races at all, just to uh, hone your craft in in that time. You know, I do cover some local races from time to time. There's a really good uh, off road series up here in New England called the J Day Off Road Series. Okay, uh, run by this kid Brian Day, and it's kind of half hair scramble, half moto. Uh, He'll have a lot of them at uh, moto tracks, and then he'll he'll literally cut some loops out through the woods. And then he'll also combine the kind of like uh, enduro cross sections, too, that he'll make. uh, Robbie Marshall makes a lot of the tracks for him. Okay. And uh, you'll get guys like Jimmy Dakotas, Robbie, a bunch of New England kids that just rip. And, uh, yeah, I I love shooting those races. John Dowd actually shows up with some of them now and then, and his son. Gotta love it when yeah, Dowdy shows anything, up. Man. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, the guy totally loves the sport, so it's uh, he's still out there ripping. 
It's fast, man. He's still so fast. It's crazy. Oh, I bet. Well, apparently he went one for. Uh, he, I think he won all of his motos at the uh, the Vet World Championships. If not, if not, almost all of his motos at the Vet World Championships. He's on a five hundred as well as uh, oh seven seventies two fifty two stroke. Yep. Yeah. No, he was good on that big KX five hundred. Yeah, that thing yeah. looks nice too. Yep. Yep. And That's a lot further along than Project ninety. Yeah. <laughs> Although it looked like Steve was getting closer on that from his last post. Yeah, it looks like uh, only a few more things. It's going to just a, f- a few nights in the in the uh, garage. And Steve Mathis, host of the Pulp MX show, will have his 1990 KX250 in uh, race condition. Um, before we get too far into this, let's jump into uh, your rapid fire uh, pick your poison questions. Um, these were uh, basically thought up for myself about 10 minutes before this interview. So uh, some of them are a little bit janky, but uh, we're just uh, let our our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Uh, so are you ready for that? Sure. Right on. Nikon or Canon? Nikon, always. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Chicken or beef? Yes. <laughs> yes to both. Uh, <laughs> outdoors or Supercross? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, love them both. I'm going to go with outdoors, though. Outdoors, actually, I think or outdoors allows the photographer to have a little bit more, uh, uh, get a little bit more creative. Yeah, and well, back in the day, you could shoot a supercross track from anywhere on the track, mm-hmm. and now now you're pretty much stuck in like three different places with everybody else. So that's why okay. if you go through the magazines, it looks like everybody has pretty much the same angles. <laughs> because fair enough, yeah, you're all group, you're all standing within ten feet of each other. Pretty much, yeah. Exactly. All right. Blondes or brunettes? Oh, I'll go blondes. Blondes. Blondes have more fun. Two-stroke or four-stroke? Two, of course. Two-stroke, absolutely. Uh, Tony Blazer or Steve Mathis? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. Uh, We'll go Steve. Those are your boys. He's helped helped me out a lot with my comeback, so I owe a lot to Steve. Steve Mathis. Um, Football or baseball? Football. Uh, black and white or full color? For moto, definitely color. Although I, you got to say, I, I love some of the old black and white photos, like Chris Hatunian and yeah. all of Buckley's old black and white stuff. stuff. Yeah. Well, that's stuff. actually interesting, like because uh, the most of Buckley's photos, and it's like I was talking to Steve about it. A lot of his photos are black and white because that's all they shot for. Uh, they shot black and white for magazines. They were very seldom had. Full color shots in magazines, so they didn't even shoot with. Uh, they just used a cheaper film or black and white film. Plus, it was a lot cheaper. Yeah, um, you could process it at home on your own, and yeah. you could buy hundred foot bulk rolls of it. Yeah, so, I never enough. shot black and white promoter though. I always, I always only shot color. There you go. Um, country or rock music? Uh, well, background was definitely always rock, but now country. Fair enough. Got to switch it up. And when you go swimming, water wings or a life jacket? I'm sorry, one more time? Um, when you go swimming, do you use water wings or a life jacket? <laughs> Surfboard. Surfboard, <laughs> perfect. Option C. That was the uh, rapid fire question sponsored by 204 Skate Shop. Now, uh, let's get into this a little bit and, and take us back in time here. Uh, I'm going to use, use Steve's uh, t- token line on that. Let's dump in the time machine and talk about 
what ignited the passion that you had for motorcycles? Obviously, as a youngster, you you flip through magazines and and like a bike catches your eye. But what really, what really ignited your passion for motocross? Who did you look up to? And once you had a bike, what rider did you kind of uh, try to look alike? Oh God, uh, I don't know where the passion came from. I just, you know, I just remember from the first time I saw like an off-road bike as a little kid, you know, like six, seven years old just wanting one and just thinking it was like the coolest thing. It was, uh, I still remember the first bike I ever wanted. It was one of those little Honda, Honda CT70s, you know, those little okay. mini bikes. And uh, I had pictures of them on my wall. This is like seven, eight years old, you know. Yep. And uh, just always wanted one. Uh, you know, grew up in Colorado. Uh, could never afford one. My parents could never afford to buy one. But one of my neighbors had a yeah, Suzuki TM75. Uh, I think that was, I think this was a 1975 or 76. Yeah. And uh, we'd just go out to the field and take turns on that thing and just, you know, ride it until the piston melted. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, just had a, had a ton of fun with that, rode that for years. And uh, then I eventually finally got my first bike. It was a, a 79 YZ125F. Um, great bike. Huge, yeah, it was, it was a great bike. Huge improvement over the little TM75. Um, and you know, that was back during Yamaha's glory days, you know, Brock Glover, Rick Burgett, Hannah, uh, Hannah was my man. I mean, I had Hannah posters all over my wall, that famous, you know, Yamaha promo shot of him doing that big sandblast burn. Yeah. All that good stuff. So yeah, that's what, uh, that's what got me into it. And then as a kid, I was, I was more of an artist than a photographer. I used to always draw. So it was always, uh, I was drawing like action figures and the bikes and all that stuff. And then I guess Senlai really influenced on me artistically. And a lot of people, I don't know if anybody will remember this, Bob Haro of Haro Bikes used to be a really good, like graphic artist. He used to draw for like BMX action magazine and did these really cool drawings that I always liked. So I used to emulate that somewhat. And that was right around the time I started taking photos as well. So that's kind of how it got started. Excellent. So, what um, you you started riding the the seventy nine. You said that you uh, that was a uh, in our emails. You said that, that was kind of bait to get you to go along with moving to California. And now that you're in the hotbed of more, uh, motocross uh, during the during, I guess it would be uh, late seventies, early eighties. Uh, although you weren't really like in in the mix, you're here in San Jose of all places. But um, yeah. how did that allow you to kind of reach out and and to kind of um, take in this this hotbed of motocross, which I'm sure even in in San Jose was still uh, it's the heartbeat was strong. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. Like there was a, there was a kid who lived three or four doors up from me. who was full on in a racing. Um, and we'd go riding around like the neighborhood and there was like these aqueducts and stuff, but there was no, like we were, like you said, we were literally in the middle of San Jose, like yeah. right near Winchester Avenue, um, you know, right dead center pretty much. So there was no legal place to ride, but we'd find yeah. all these little, sketchy places to go ripping around. So, um, caught a few races when I lived there, but not too many. Um, then moved up North to Eureka. Um, I only lived in San Jose for about a year. Mm-hmm. And then Eureka was awesome. Uh, lived in this little neighborhood just South of the city, kind of in between King Salmon and Eureka, uh, yeah. across from the old nuke plant of all places. Um, <laughs> but I could, I could ride from my house up onto the hillside where me and my friends built this track. It was a full on. It was like a minute and a half lap time off timber turns, grass, 
it was just an amazing track. There you go. Um, Challenging. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. So we'd burn laps there. Uh, you could ride off on the logging roads, on the dirt roads forever. Um, one of my favorite thing to do is actually is I'd cut across uh, the PCH and uh, Humboldt Harbor has like these two fingers that protect the harbor of land. Okay. And you can ride along the beach there. And there were these whoops, like the really long rolling whoops that you could just get the bike wide open, high steering, like 60 miles an hour and just skim these whoops and you'd be taken off. Oh, if you'd only get like a foot high, but one day I paced it out, I stopped and I paced it out. You're only get like a foot off the ground. But you're traveling like a hundred feet every time you took off. <laughs> so, it was wow. like, yeah, I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I just jumped that far. You know, like I said, you're all, you weren't getting high off the ground, but you're just no. like, Woo! you're just flying. Yeah, that was, that was a ball, man. It's just like cut across the PCH, go down the railroad tracks, get to the beach, and just wide open. <laughs> that was a good time. No kidding, that's incredible. Like, um, when did your your focus switch from from enjoying those trails to uh, the like? doing some photography were you were you still living in california or had you moved to uh massachusetts by then uh the photography didn't really start until i moved back to massachusetts okay um, did you, ra- did you race at all when you when you lived in california no i went to a few races but i never couldn't really afford to race it's just so expensive and just yeah. not in the budget for my parents um so it's just all just kind of fun off-road riding um, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, we moved back east. Um, still rode. Um, I actually did start racing, but not until like 1989. I was, okay. almost, uh, I was like, God, how old was I then? I was like almost 30 at that point when I started racing. Uh, but anyways, moved back uh, east, finished high school, went to like a year and a half of high school back here. Graduated from high school. When I graduated from high school, my mom gave me a Canon E1 camera uh, as a graduation gift. And I just started taking pictures of everything. And it was just like, you know, boom, just everything clicks as far as that goes. Um, Yeah. I think I told you in the email, too, kind of a cool story was um, my aunt at the time, this was my mom's sister, Mm -hmm. was married to a national champion drag racer, this guy named Rick Stetson. Um, Right. He had the world record in a quarter for his class. And I think he was like two or three years running that he was a national champ. I uh, anyway, she knew all these dudes that worked for Cycle News through Rick. Uh, and she actually arranged to take me to the old Petrol motocross track and Petrol Mass, which is cool because it's like this really historic American track, which is unfortunately no longer with us. But um, wound up going to the race. It was an NESC race, I think. I'm not positive, but there was a bunch of pro-class guys like Jim Neen and Jojo Keller, like all the guys that were, you know, the fast guys in New England at the time. And, uh, you know, kind of spent the day hanging out with this guy from Cycle News and talking to him and watching him take photos. He actually handed me his camera. and goes, hey, go take some photos. You know, go take a couple of rows of photos. So I did. I went out and just kind of took pictures of things that I thought looked cool. I remember I had this really cool, like, long downhill jump. And I was taking pictures of the guys like flying down the hill with the foliage in the background. Yeah. It was, fall, it was a fall race. It was like just a really nice day, bluebird sky and everything. Um, so anyways, I shot a bunch of photos, didn't think anything of it. Um, like a week later, my aunt calls me and she's like, Hey, have you ever taken photos before? And I'm like, no, why? 
she goes, well, I'm going to come over and bring me some of the photos. Um, I can't remember her friend's name that worked for Cyclonus, but, you know, say Bob. She yeah. goes, Bob said your pictures came up better than his. <laughs> <laughs> so the kid's got some skills. Yeah, he was like, you think you have a great eye. So she came over and she brought over like four or five eight by ten enlargements. And uh, my favorite one was a shot of Jimmy Meehan and just like doing this big cross up down this downhill jump. I think he was riding a Yamaha at the time. He had like a green and yellow uh, kit. I can't remember what the gear was, what brand of gear was, but it just looks like color pop against the background and everything. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what that's what got it started. And shortly after that was when I graduated from high school and got the camera. I think it was that following June. And then I started going to like BMX races, moto races, anything, and just shooting photos. And that was just, you know, Canada one with a 50-millimeter lens. That's all I had. You know, got, got a few more lenses down the road, got a tall photo and a wide angle, and kind of went crazy. No doubt. So, like, um, did being a rider first and foremost, uh, make you a better photographer or at least aid you in kind of giving you some ideas of what might look good. Of, of course, all those years of looking at magazines, um, uh, you can kind of get like you, like we've got these types of memories that have like you, you draft off of that as well as what you think would look good. Has that kind of allowed you to be more creative with your shots? I don't know if, if writing actually helped. Um, you know, for me, I've always just, you know, there's there's some photographers that back then that I really admired, like Patunian and Buckley, um, and then later Fran Coon. Um, there was this guy who used to shoot for dirt bike and motocross action at the same time as his work. I really liked him, Carl Lockhart. Yeah. Um, of course, Chris Haltner, uh, just an amazing photographer. He was the original uh, Racer X guy and also shot for uh, the High Torque Publications for years. Um, so, you know, I'd go through the magazines and I'd kind of get ideas from what they were doing, but I also always tried to do my own thing as far as equipment and angles that I shot and um, stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know really where it comes from. I'll just say that I usually, when I take a good photo, I can usually see the photo in my head before I take it. Yeah. Does that make sense? You know, I, I can I look totally at a corner and, yeah, like you can look at a corner and know if it's going to work or not. So I don't know. It's kind of weird. Now it's like, I kind of look for places where the action is really kinetic. And right. then I try and find a place where I can have that good action with good light and a good background. And like, if I can combine all three of those elements, I'm happy and I'll shoot the shit out of it. <laughs> for sure. Actually, the one thing between outdoors and supercross is that supercross, you're all fairly well lit. And you said you're, you're pretty limited in where you can go. But with with, uh, with outdoors, as far as where the lighting is, like there's only there's certain sections or certain tracks um, that it might be a great looking corner, but it's not gonna like the, with the exposure, it's it's tough to make it look good because the the lighting's just not there, or like it, it's 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 extremely backlit that you can't uh, you can't get a good shot there. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a few corners that. At this year's South or this year's uh, Unadilla that were like that. It was just, you know, just couldn't get good light on that corner, you know. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, this makes such a good photo. We're still shooting fall series races. And, you know, the sun yeah. was at about a 20 degree lower angle. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, wow, so no, for sure. 
What was the first like real professional race that you got to, uh, to, 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 to shoot at once you had started to kind of do your own thing? Uh, first time I actually got inside the ropes, so to speak, was uh, yeah. 89 Southwick National. And tell me about that day. It's a pretty funny story. Um, at the time, I was working as a stringer uh, for a local newspaper, which for those people that don't know what that is, Uh, You're basically a part-time photographer. You go into the editor. He has the day's story that he wants covered up. Uh, You choose which stories you want to cover, or he chooses which ones you want to cover, even more. And then you go and you shoot, and then if they run the photos, they pay you. Um, And hopefully they'll run the photos, because if they don't, you're going to be looking for another job. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I was doing that, and this is back, you know, pretty much before word processors and all that kind of stuff. So we used to make our own press passes just so like we're at like an accident scene or something. The cops would know that, you know, we're from the newspaper. We're not just some, you know, guy that lives out in front of the street taking photos. Yep. You know? mm-hmm. um, so anyways, we did that. And I'd been to the two years, I'd been to the 87 and the 88 Suffolk National I really remember both of those just being like, man, I want to get inside the wire and shoot. It's like, yeah. Shooting from outside the fence is just no fun. Yeah. You're hanging on the edge of the fence, just dreaming about having your feet on the other side of it. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Um, you know, cause I could see all these great angles, especially the Buckley burn. Uh, I was like, Oh man. Um, so 89 came along and you know, this is back in the day with snail mail and, telephone calls just the way you arranged right. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember at some point doing some phone calling around to, to find out, you know, how I can get inside the wire. And I worked the angle of working for the local newspaper to get in. And it actually worked. I was like, woo, you know. So I think the guy from AME at the time was named Frank. Uh, nice guy, beard, white hair. Uh, mm-hmm. Used to be at all the races. Uh, anyways, once I went into that first race and got a pass, uh, got into the wire, did my shooting. It was like, you know, a stoke, man. It was a kid at a candy store. This is uh, the famous race to Dogger, where you went to the prom the night before and then flew on the red eye. Hmm. And then the entire college hockey team was betting on him, you know, not make it through both motos. And sure enough, comes out and just blazes to the win in the first moto. And then just, the wheels came off on the second level because it all caught up. But got some cool shots, you know, just did a whole bunch of different angles and um, sent the photos into high torque, you know, just, Hey, these are a bunch of photos I took. And I got some stuff I was pretty happy with. Actually, some stuff I've shared on Instagram recently. Um, Yeah. I've seen a few. Yeah. There's uh, probably my favorite one from that race was this, um, it was a pan shot with a flash fill of Dogger jumping in the frog pond. So like okay. the background's like this big blur and, and Ronnie's like almost sitting on the back fender jumping. Um, just real cool body language from Ronnie. He always had such, you know, cool looking style. Um, so yeah, I, I sent those to high torque and then followed it up, you know, a couple of weeks later with a phone call or a letter. I can't remember which. And they basically were like, Hey, we liked your work. Uh, like our writing because you were stupid and you sent us color print film and we need slides, <laughs> which I didn't know. You know, it's just, you know, didn't know better. Um, yeah. So they said, you know, 
anytime you want a pass or anything for a race, let us know and, you know, shoot either slide film or black and white. I was like, oh, nice, thank you. You know, awesome. No so that's kind, of, that's kind of what kicked it off. And then um, back then, it was great because you'd get, there's a whole bunch more races up here in the Northeast. We had uh, okay. the fall It seems like there was more racing pre-1990. Yeah, there was. Because um, you had the fall series. You'd have, you know, the guys racing at least two different classes outdoors for the season. Back then, the 125s went the full year. You'd have 125, 250s, or 125-100s. So those guys had a really long season. Yeah. Um, and then the 250-500 guys also had a long season, but they were splitting it, you know, kind of down the middle. Yeah, they'd so, ride both bikes, which is like, they're, like it's not yep. like the 250 guys were going to sit at home. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it was cool. And uh, we had Broom Tioga back then, which is a really cool track to shoot photos. And of course, you're in the deal on South Lake. And, Tim Ferry's uh, favorite I, track, Broom Tioga. Yeah, yep. <laughs> of all places. I always love shooting there, man. Yeah. A lot of people, people seem to have a love-hate with that track. But. Does that track still exist at all? Oh, yeah. No, it's still, a, um, I think there was some sort of a deal brokered where basically they agreed that Unadilla would host the Nationals and Grimdayoga. I, I don't know exactly what it was, but yeah. I don't want to misspeak. But, um, but, yeah, it's still in existence and it's still, you know, New York local races whatever the AMA division is up there. Um, yeah. There's, a, there's actually a bunch of tracks up that area. So it's pretty good. Little uh, mini hotbed of motocross right there. Uh, how long was it before you started to, um, like, you, you updated or improved your setup as far as um, uh, what you were shooting with? Oh, that was pretty fast. Um, at the time, I was actually working in a photo lab um, I don't know if anybody remembers, but this was back when we had the, the one-hour photo labs. You know, you come in and you develop your film in an hour. They had the yep. machines right there on premise. So I was actually managing one of those at the time. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, I saved every nickel and dime I had and spent it on equipment and wound up getting uh, a couple of Micron F2s. And then uh, the best investment I ever made as far as shooting motor goes was a uh, 300 2.8 lens, a Nikon 300 2.8 lens, which is just this incredibly sharp and clear lens. Um, you know, just an amazing lens. And uh, that's what got me, you know, magazine covers and full-page shots, and that lens just was awesome. How many covers do you so, have? Uh, definitely one. I, I think it's two, but the second one, I think, High torque photoshops, like my image or somebody else's image, was a shot from Bunch Creek. Okay. Um, but definitely the November 19, I think it was 1990, was a shot of Guy Cooper uh, wheeling out of a corner at Southwick on the number four uh, Suzuki. Fair enough. That's that's special. That's as a photographer. That's like a, a, a magazine that you probably flip through like countless times. Like that that type of magazine, you flip through it a hundred times, and now your your photo is blazing on the front of the thing. That's uh, you you had to have bought a few copies of those. Or that yeah, was I was I was pretty happy about that. Was, you know, back then it was hard to get photos in the magazines because you know there wasn't the amount of coverage back then. Right. Uh, usually a magazine would have like kind of a race, uh, like a season wrap up or a little feature. Yeah. Bit. 
Yeah, because there are so many races, or at the least they'd have like three or four races at the same time in the magazine. Yeah. Um, but you're doing good as a stringer if you've got, you know, as one of the contributors, you're doing good if you got, you know, a couple of black and white photos in. And I remember okay. that issue, that Cooper cover issue, I had the cover, I had the full page table of contents photo, which actually I just shared on Instagram last week. It's the photo of uh, Rick Johnson where he laid the bike down in the corner and was picking it up. Um, and all the sand is just exploding everywhere around him. Uh, yeah, I remember table, that photo, yeah. Yeah, that was a table of contents. And then inside of that issue, I had either two, two or three full-page color photos. Um, I think a shot of Wardy and for sure a shot of uh, Dubok. Man, I got a lot of shots of Doug. <laughs> He's such a, such a uh, photogenic rider. Just always had great angles and everything. That was one of my questions for you. I was wondering, of all the guys you've shot, both like now and and, and back then, who who are some of the, your favorite guys to shoot, or who always allowed you to have uh, like give you some 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 great material to shoot? Like you when you knew you were shooting this guy, you always knew it was going to be uh, at least a half decent picture if the exposure was right. Yeah, um, back then, Dogger, um, like I said, he you know he was tall and he used his angle and he used his leverage, so he always had like interesting angles and stuff going on. Just such cool looking form. I mean, just always looked good on the bike. Uh, Guy Cooper, just cause you never knew when he was going to huck it just twice as big as anybody else and just you know, make everybody's jaw drop. Um, chicken. I always got good shots of chicken for whatever reason. Same thing. You know, his body was all over the bike, his angles. They always had like cool angles and cool leads. Yeah. Some um, ways it looks a little different. That's yep. one of the things I found about uh, Jimmy Dakota. He came up here and actually raced one of my bikes, believe it or not. Uh, to oh, six, nice. uh, sorry? Hmm? Go ahead. No, that's cool. Yeah, it's uh, uh, six straight motos in the in the uh, pro class up here. And uh, he 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 moves all over the bike. And, and uh, some of the, the whips that he took like, or had from some of the local photographers got. And he, he's just, like, it, it just looks different. And, and that's what's impressive about it. I guess um, every guy has their own style, but there's some guys who just set yep. themselves apart. Oh, for sure. And Jimmy can scrub like nobody's business too. So he's, I got some uh, some great shots of him at the J-Day off-road on Easter Sunday this year. Um, and also actually at uh, Met Life at the Supercross and at Unadilla this year. He's, yeah, he's another one you always get good shots. You know, I really love taking pictures of now is Marvin. Oh, man. Yeah? That, that guy just always looks great on a bike. No doubt, yeah. Marvin's got some great style. I think uh, better things to come for, for uh, the, the the 25 machine. I think he's doing the Red Bull straight rhythm, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, uh, a number one E on his bike by the end of uh, Vegas. No, no, me neither. I think that would be well-deserved. You know who is really tough to shoot? And actually, um, I've talked to a few photographers on, uh, in person and on Instagram. It's Porcel. Really? He's really hard to get a cool-looking photo of because he's always, like, right in the middle of the bike. His elbows are down. Like, he's never got any weird angles going. You know what I mean? He's always just, yeah. like, the center. Like, okay. you look at, I, I took a ton of photos of him in Unadilla. I think I like maybe one of them. <laughs> it's just like just doesn't turn out how you think no you look at him you don't even think he's going fast and you look at the photos and it doesn't look like he's going fast like he's sitting down going around the track but he's and then you look at the his bomb. time and you're like yeah 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, what, does some of that have to do with the fact that he has such unorthodox line choice that when he's coming through a section that, like, when you're you're used to panning with a guy going one to one spot, like one point A to point B, he's not going there. <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely like, especially if you're tight on a corner. Yeah. Like a lot of times, I'll pick a rut. You know what I mean? And you kind of set up your focus. Yeah. Um, and you kind of. Like, when I shoot sometimes, especially if it's, like, kind of towards woods and there's, like, a light spot, and if I can find a spot, like, in a rut where the the spot is lit really nice, I'll kind of focus on that light spot, and then I'll trap shoot it, where basically, like, as they're coming through it, I'll start firing a shutter before they get to where I know they're going to be focused, and I'll fire all the way through. So you'll take, like, six photos to get two, basically. But now that you're shooting digital, who cares, you know? Um, oh yeah, it's, that must have really changed uh, the way you guys uh, operate. It's basically just like you just hold down your shutter the entire time. <laughs> Hopefully, you oh, get yeah. some good stuff. Yeah. No, exactly. When I was shooting film, you know, you had a the expense factor. You know, you're spending eight bucks per roll of film or so, plus another eight to ten to develop it. Mm-hmm. So I'd shoot maybe a dozen rolls of thirty-six exposure film for one race, and. Back then, if I got two good shots per roll of film, I was pretty happy. Um, so now, I mean, I shot, you know, that's like 400 photos total, you know, yeah. maybe 500. I shot more than that in practice in Adela this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, so, so, yeah. So, anyways, getting back to the thing with Purcell. Um, yeah, if you have a guy that's taking alternate lines like that, like if you're set up, for that rut, all of a sudden he comes ripping around the outside, you know, you're like, oh, damn. You know, you got to kind of adjust on the fly. So it's another challenge that he definitely presents for sure. Definitely. I, like, so that that's uh, an example of someone that, that's a little bit, it's harder to get a good shot of him. Uh, like, lo, like guys guys now, like, um, who, who allows you to um, really show off your skills as a photographer uh, with some interesting shots? Oh, well, I'll tell you, Unadilla, uh, Chad, just, he had that, uh, that knack-knack right in front of yeah. me over that big booter, uh, yeah. that I happened to be in just like a really nice spot to get him where it was just like against the blue sky. And he had, uh, Justin Bogle following right behind him. Right. Um, so that was cool. Cole Feely is another one, just looks great on the bike and can really just crack that whip. You know, he's just, um, great to photograph. Um, Justin Bogle, Zach Osborne. Um, I like Zach's style. They usually, uh, no offense, Zach, but usually the shorter guys don't photograph as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he gets all Why do you think that bikes. that is? I think it has to do with how much angle they can get. You know what I mean? I, yep. They don't have that, that body. They don't angle. have like, the exaggerated elbows as, as much as either. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you think of like the guys that always look great on the bike, like your David Bill, like. Preston, uh, Pastrana. Yep. 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 Usually the taller guys. But, uh, yeah, he's good. Um, I really like shooting Trey. Um, just, man, he just, another one just scrubs the hell out of the bike. Um, who else? Man, just like all the pro class guys. Eli, got some great shots in. Actually, he surprised me. Got a bunch of great shots of him. Looks really stylish, but you don't think of him as being like a super stylish rider is Weston. Really? Yeah, man, I got some really just like 
cool angular photos of him. And one shot of him over the booter in practice, or he's got that bike like beyond flat, things like almost upside down. Hmm. So, you know, people don't think of him as being like, they think of him as being like the he's a strength guy. Yeah. yeah. He, like, oh, I, man, I think yeah. of Weston Pike and I, I think of a lumberjack. Mm-hmm. I think they, exactly. they should almost, uh, like when they had um, Pastrana in that uh, lumberjack looking stuff from, uh, what was that, 2006, they should just break that back out and throw that on him. Or or he could just go out there in a flannel and jeans. I, I don't know. It, it would yeah, just look right. Yeah. It's like um, Mike LaRocco reincarnated, you know? Basically, yeah. Better starts than LaRocco. Uh, it's, it's absolutely comical. If, uh, if those who are listening, I'm sure anyone who's listening to these, you're much of a, as much a motocross addict as either one of uh, you or I, uh, go through those videos that Tony Blazer puts up on the internet. And like, if there was a drinking game that incorporated how many times they talked about Mike LaRocco getting a bad start, <laughs> no no one hammered. would go and work the next day. You'd, like, you'd just be absolutely hammered. It's just like, oh, there's Mike LaRocco getting a bad start and working to the front. That guy uh, did it the hard way. So it's funny this way he got his start and he knew what to do with it. But oh, for yeah, sure. Dude. Yeah, dude. Indi- Indianapolis 05? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah I, remember, I still remember that race. being like, holy shit, he got a whole shot. <laughs> yeah, he ripped the whole shot and he stayed out front. And I think, I don't know what happened to Ricky that night. Yeah, I don't remember either. Four. They're, like I don't know what didn't allow him to win that race, either a bad start or a crash or something like that. And yeah, Larocco took it. Like uh, I, he, uh, yeah, the oldest guy to win a, a Supercross. Or is that yeah, still I think at that time. Yeah, I think he <laughs> broke Dow's record that night. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's what it was. I think Dowdy had it. He had then, it at. Um, he raced actually back to back. He raced Charlotte. And I can't remember the next one was in 1998. Uh, he had two 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 uh, um, two Supercross wins, 125 and 250. Became the oldest to have won either one, uh, beating Guy Guy Cooper at least in the 125 and the 250. So, um, yep. but yeah, no, Morocco's well. got that one. Yeah, no, I, I think the Charlotte race was a mutter too, if I recall. It was. That yeah. was. Um, that was a that was a cool track. It was out in the middle of the racetrack there. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty you know, I'm often saying that they should do that up here in New England. Instead of doing Met Life, they should put it in the middle of the Loudon Speedway and do like Daytona. That would be interesting. That would definitely okay. be interesting. I, I, I like like some people like out Daytona, some people don't. Uh, I, I look forward to it every year. It's a different look. Uh, you see some supercross obstacles mixed in with a track that actually gets rough. That's kind of yep. cool. I like the old Daytona better. Kind of when the David, newer, shorter, uh, more Gary, supercross version. Yeah. When Gary uh, Gary Bailey designed it. Yeah, yeah, no, it was cool, man. It was like, you know, all those weird sand jumps and all yeah. that other, all the other stuff that's going on. They bring it. the sand rock in for some of the obstacles, and then some of it straight onto grass. Was just like looks literally like they dug the bucket in and made some singles down a straightaway. Yeah, that's that's Daytona to me. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. How has the atmosphere at the Nationals changed from the late 80s to now? Uh, it's more family-oriented, for sure. Um, I remember when it first started going, especially Unadilla, man. Like, actually, it was funny. Um, Tony actually was very gracious in that I was looking... I couldn't remember if uh, MXA ran any of my photos from the 89 USGP. 
Uh, so he actually was great in that he scanned that whole story for me the other day and emailed it to me in PDFs. And I think they ran like one of my black and white photos, but that's it. But okay. what jumped out at me is I remember that GP had the most brutal, obnoxious, nasty crowd you've ever seen in your life. It was just like me and my buddy Billy used to call them the shirtless maulers. It was like these dudes that just, you, you don't even know where they came from. They just, you know, you saw like cars getting set on fire, people getting beat up, stuff getting blown up. It was just crazy. It doesn't sound very family oriented at all. No, it wasn't. It was like, you didn't want to bring a female to the track. Um, and I remember we actually started, we camped out, um, we camped out at the track, but we wound up going over to the other side. And I still remember to this day sitting on the other side of the track, looking across the track to the main parking lot where all the madness was going down. Yep. And it looked exactly like the bridge scene from the movie Apocalypse Now. It was like <laughs> fireworks yeah. going off and shit blowing up and, <laughs> we're both we both have the same me and my buddy Billy both have the same thing we're like holy shit that was just like apocalypse now <laughs> shit burning <laughs> it was just like crazy so yeah so it's um it's definitely you know they cut out the drinking at Unadilla um the coolers and stuff like that and it changed pretty quickly um and I think I, I remember by like 91 it was significantly improved and then it's gotten better every year since um so yeah, more family oriented, definitely more corporate. Like you go now to a race and you have like, you know, National Guard doing pull up contests and you know, GoPro and kicker car audio and you know, all these companies set up selling stuff. Um, yeah. When you go to a supercross, you feel like they're trying to sell you something rather than entertain you. Yeah. No, I tell you though, the supercross kits uh, at Meadowlands this year were incredible as far as like all the stuff that they offered. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was cool because it, it gives a family like so much variety for a day out. I mean, they had monster trucks, uh, freestyle motocross show. They had drift car shows and, you know, of course all the supercross stuff attractions. So yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was a pretty cool show. I mean, for like the price of whatever that tickle was, you're, you know, I think you're getting a good bang for your buck, so to speak. So, but I tell Absolutely, you one never been uh, disappointed with a Supercross, even when I went to Minneapolis a couple of times. And uh, you don't actually get to go to the pits at all because the pits are under uh, under the yeah. stadium. But uh, yeah. Supercross, and even yeah, always always a, a top notch, top yeah, notch. So they do a good job. Yeah, they definitely um, do. But one, but one change I don't like though is the sound and smell. I miss that two stroke sound and that two stroke smell. Yeah, the, the rev limiters on the four strokes, uh, especially in the 250 class, uh, although you do get to smell the race gas, it just yeah. doesn't smell quite the same as two-stroke race gas. Like it, the U4.4 uh, or whatever they're running uh, as, as race fuel now, it, it's, it smells great, but uh, nothing compared to, uh, like, uh, I always run uh, the Maxima Caster 925 in, the, yep. in my two-strokes, and that stuff smells just right. Like, it's just, that's how, that's how more cross is supposed to smell. And, uh, yeah, screaming two-stroke, um, yep. it doesn't get much better than that. Oh man, I go out and use my leaf blower, and I'm like, ah, oh, that smell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get it on a jacket, and you don't even want to wash it. Absolutely. So, uh, before I let you go here, uh, what brought on this uh, new desire to uh, basically step back behind the lens 
and uh, start shooting professional once again? Um, well, I, you know, I never really stopped shooting professional. Um, but I was, I was definitely away from motocross for a while. Um, I don't know what it was. It was just got busy with life and, you know, just the, the time and money investment that you would make, uh, just the return wasn't there. Um, you know, if I had been able to move to Southern California, I probably could have made a, a career out of it, you know, picked up more work and maybe got hired by a magazine or whatever. Uh, yeah. but that was just never an option for me, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I just kind of, you know, started doing other stuff and, uh, God, what was it? 2010 or something. A few years back, I went to a race and borrowed a friend's autofocus camera, uh, left state of the art digital autofocus camera. I didn't even own one at the time. Um, you know, with a good telephoto lens and I actually did the same thing as I did back in like 87, 88, shot a whole bunch of photos from outside the wire. Um, and got some good shots some stuff I was pretty happy with. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was, you know, I was like standing on like a folding chair. So like, cause they got these high chain link fences going over the, around the fence now. Yeah. Or around the track, which, you know, that's another thing I miss is the freaking snow fence and the track planters. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It was a um, you know, it was only up to your waist or so. But anyways, um, shot a whole bunch of photos and that just totally reignited the passion and, um, just been shooting as much as possible since. So, and as far as as far as getting your photos out, of course, Steve has been great with uh, getting some photos out uh, on his website as well as uh, as posting them. You do so on social media, and we have, of course we all follow you at uh, Sweeney Photo on Instagram and M Sweetie Photo on uh, on Twitter. Love the photos, uh, and actually, I've been thinking, kind of noodling around of a way we can uh, get some on on my site, uh, bring more, uh, not only bring my listeners more to the site to uh, take take a look at the photos. As well as maybe a way that we can um, uh, get some of those purchased from you, uh, some prints or something like that. Like uh, we could have maybe um, uh, we'd, we'll, we'll figure something out. But it'd be great uh, to op- opportunity for for uh, our listeners to uh, access uh, your gallery and uh, and see what you got. From not only from yesteryear, but uh, stuff that you're 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 shooting uh, on a basically year round basis. No, actually, if people want to see kind of a, uh, a couple of more expensive galleries and, you know, some bigger image sizes than what you see on IG, mm-hmm. um, they can actually go to my website. And actually, if anybody's curious and wants to see other kinds of stuff, that I shoot, you can see it there, too. Um, okay. My site is the same as uh, my Twitter. It's msweeneyphoto.com. Okay, perfect. Right on. So we'll, we'll send people there, msweeney msweeneyphoto.com if you'd like to uh, look at the gallery, pick out some photos that you may want to purchase and get yourself some prints for the den in the uh, the garage, whatever you want for them. And uh, it'd be a great opportunity, a great uh, addition to someone's uh, wallet home. I'd definitely do that myself and uh, and get some shots of uh, you know, the chicken or uh, the dog or something that you can't really get anymore. Uh, and also, like you said, you're always shooting with, um, with color, so uh, a full color image of those guys would be uh, something cool to have. Yeah, no black and white, so nothing but color. But yeah, once again, big thanks to Steve, and uh, yeah, you know he's been a tremendous help and set me up with passes and stuff like that. And he actually started me with uh, uh, some of my exposure with uh, motocross captured. Um, okay, which is a, a feature that he started on his site. Actually, he's running photos from Paul now, but 
I think I did the first like half year or so of it, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more than a half year. It was funny. It was like when I started doing that, uh, my Instagram following went from like maybe 200 people to <laughs> like 800 people in about three weeks. And yeah. then it's just continued to grow since. I think I'm just under 3,000 now, something like that. So it's, it's been fantastic. And lines. Any, anybody that's listening that, um, that follows me, thank you for uh, following me. You know, I just love sharing the photos with everybody. I'm glad everybody likes them so much. Yeah, I love your photos, man. You take some really cool shots. Uh, I would love to. I loved hearing your story. And you think you you were skeptical that we wouldn't get an hour in, and uh, we're we're about to eclipse that. So uh, your story was is great, and I, I'm really uh, like glad that we were able to talk to you. And uh, I think some, especially some of our uh, uh, our the vintage fans that listen. I know we got a great uh, the Manitoba old timers. Um, racing series up here uh like all guys who are like 40 plus that uh they grew up with the very same things that uh you're you're talking about whether it be the the bmx and how big that was in the early 80s and uh and the the type of cameras that you were using and and some of the 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 shots you were able to take you lived it man uh it was it's really cool um uh how has the the twitter and instagram allowed you to kind of reach out to uh your fans you know it's it's been really fun where um, it's been really interactive. Um, you know, I, I love when people, you know, ask about the photos, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you get that every now and they're like, you know, what race was that? Or how did you take that photo? Or, um, you know, what equipment were you using? Uh, stuff like that. So it, social media is awesome as far as that kind of thing goes. I love the interactivity of it. And, um, sure, that's why my, my dad's got more Twitter followers than I do. So yeah, he loves it. Oh, that's cool. That's, yeah. cool. that's awesome. So yeah, it's um, you know, it, what's really cool too is it's like people all over the world. Like uh, uh, there's one guy named Master Masorni or something like that. He's French, like totally in the moto. Uh, yeah. He's always like sending me photos, and um, you know, still like direct message me his new photos, and he's all fired up, and um, it's cool. It, you know, it's it's fun to to talk both photo and moto. So yeah, the two go great together. So I've always said that motocross uh, shows up incredibly uh, in front of a lens. Um, the like the it's a very uh, it's an aggressive but graceful sport. That uh, there's times where you can be smashing through a whoop section, dancing over the top of it, or when you're you you take a jump and you like there's guys they can make it look effortless the way they throw the back end yep. out arc that jump and they land as if the tires almost never came off the ground like there's very often where guys can angle the bike where the suspension just slightly soaks up the landing as if they never came off the ground in the first place yeah i gotta tell you it's, it's such a privilege to photograph those guys because I, I do consider them the best athletes in the world i do absolutely like, you think of the combination of both physical and mental skills that they have to be able to do what they do. Yep. And, you know, they know every time they throw that leg over the bike, that it might be the last time they do it. But, you know, they go out there and they do it a hundred, you know, hundred percent every time anyways. And yeah, right. those guys just, you know, especially, and that's going back to the question about being, does being a rider help? Um, I don't know if it helps actually photograph, but man, I, I, it sure gives me an appreciation for what they do. So, 
especially now. Oh, yeah. it, it, it sounds like you're not only do you like doing this as a, as a profession, but you're, you're straight up a fan of these guys. You, you're still, oh, sure. although oh, you absolutely. may not get like in awe of them or get starstruck, you're still stand back and, and really impressed with what you see. And I think that's uh, important when you're taking these photos is to, is that you're, you're still passionate about it. And, uh, that's, um, that's a huge gift that you have. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, that's another huge change, too, is how far they jump now. And, you know, like, you look at Unadilla now, big air back, you know, in the early 90s was jumping out of gravity cavity and they were getting maybe, maybe 8 to 10 feet high and jumping maybe 60, 70 feet. Yeah. And, you know, now they scrub out of the cavity, but they got that big boot around back. And what is that, 105 feet or something like that? Something like that. I think, yeah, just 110 plus. Yeah, yeah, it's just huge. So, yeah, it's... And they do it sideways. And it's boot sideways or upside down. <laughs> or upside down. Actually, I can't believe I forgot Kenny, too. Some other guy's just awesome in the photograph. So. Kenny Roxon to me, looks like a guy who uh, who shows up good on the backside of a camera, for sure. I like, can't just wait an absolute to pleasure to shoot. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I was so mad, though. He did that. Uh, weird, I remember I was shooting practice, and I was shooting next to Simon. And we're kind of talking about Simon got a cover shot of Eli uh, for mm-hmm. Racer X off of that last year. And I was yep. talking to him about that in this angle. We're talking about, oh, like, no, the light's not as good this year because it was really super bright and sunny and contrasty. And when we shot the, the cover of Eli, it was kind of hazy overcast. So, you know, they, the rider stood out better from the woods in the background. Um, so I kind of moved because I could see that the riders are kind of getting lost in the trees. So I moved down to try and find a better angle of it. Sure enough, just as I moved, Kenny comes off of that thing and just turns the bike beyond upside down. It was ridiculous. Uh-huh. Um, I still got I still got a shot of it, but I was set to like do a flash fill pan, so it's kind of like a a speed blur shot. Not nearly as good as it would have been had I stayed where I was. Sometimes these hang these come out. I was actually going to ask: Has there been ever a time back when you were shooting film that uh, some pictures that you know were pretty pretty good got ruined in uh, getting uh, to overexposure? Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, most of the time, um, not over, but under. And usually, it would happen when, like, uh, the sun went behind a cloud and you didn't adjust fast enough. Um, yeah. You had to be really careful back then uh, with your metering. Um, you know, and like you didn't have Photoshop back then, and nope. you didn't have nearly the flexibility that you do with digital photography for correcting mistakes and exposure. Um, you, know, you couldn't be off by more than a stop or a stop and a half. Um, so back then, I actually I used to have um, my shutter aperture combinations memorized, and I could kind of look at the light and know where I should be. Um, so like, I'd be like, you know, full sunlight, 2000 F2.8 with, you know, hundred speed film, you know, and I knew that if it was partially filtered, I needed to, you know, change things. Um, and nowadays, like, you don't really worry about that as much. I mean, you still want to be ballpark and it, the photo stuff will look better the closer mm-hmm. you are, but yeah, really as important as it used to be. No doubt, the game has changed, but your uh, your passion for it has has not. Uh, is Sweeney Photo for hire? Like, uh, if someone in the Massachusetts area hears this and, and wants you to come out to the track and take some photos, uh, 
if uh, I would you be up for that? Or if and if so, what do we have to do to uh, get uh, Mike Sweeney up to a Manitoba motocross race to snap some photos? Oh yeah, no, I'm definitely fire. Uh, contact form is on my website. Shoot me an email through the contact form, and uh, you know I love to work with anybody that wants photos, and if they want moto photos, even better. But, you know I do yeah. I shoot photos of soccer games, uh, portraits, um, product photography, anything anybody needs. I've, I've done it all. I can do it all. And, um, but yeah, definitely the, the moto is my favorite, my passion, and if any industry people are out there want uh, some photos. Give me a call. <laughs> I'm looking Absolutely. for. I'm looking if for I... uh, work with the magazines and uh, industry. And I tell you, it's it's as hard as it's ever been right now. As far mm-hmm. as you know, Simon's got most of the business on lockdown right now. Mm. Uh, so it's it's very competitive. No doubt. It's uh, it's a, it's dog eat dog world out there, and you gotta uh, hustle to take some some solid shots. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to see that um, you're 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 still passionate about it. You've you've um, you're doing everything you can to get your word out there, get your pictures out there, and uh, I think big things for uh, Sweeney Photo. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks. It was uh, it was good talking. It was fun. Absolutely. We'll uh, we'll do this again, and uh, it was great for us to uh, connect. We'll uh, wish you the best of luck. Hope to see uh, some photos of yours from uh, Monster Energy Cup because that means you were there. And uh, and if not, definitely Anaheim won, and uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely have to ca- uh, meet up for a cold awesome. beverage uh, at that race because I will be attending. Awesome, man. Sounds like a plan. Excellent, my friend. You have yourself a great evening. Enjoy the rest of the football game if it's uh, if it's still playing, and uh, you have yourself a great night. You as well. Thanks again. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.